Welcome to the XR for Business podcast with your host, Alan Smithson. Today's guest is Johnny Cosgrove, founder and CEO at meetingroom.io. Johnny is responsible for creating a new collaboration platform that allows anybody from multiple devices to be in one room and collaborate together. Johnny started his career volunteering and doing activism before moving into events, marketing and technology, operating in Dublin and Boston. He completed his MBA at Trinity College Dublin and began building the future of work with a focus on sustainability, collaboration and emerging technologies. You can learn more about Johnny and his team at meetingroom.io. Johnny, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure, Johnny. We've known each other quite a long time through the VR AR Association and through uh, great calls like this. We've met in Meeting Room and uh, I'm really, really excited to share with the world what you guys are working on because the work that you guys are doing is really pioneering how people will meet in the future, in now, not even in the future, but right now, how people are meeting and collaborating. And I think as we move to a, a world where we start to really think about travel, not just international travel, but travel to and from work. Having people drive two hours to work back and forth every day is really inefficient. And it's a real time suck for everybody and not to mention creating disastrous effects for the environment as well. So let's dive into this. Explain who you are and your company and what does Meeting Room do? No problem at all. So I'd agree. Pollution sucks. Unnecessary commutes absolutely suck. And for what we're trying to do is make sure the collaboration is easier. So one thing we found everyone can agree on is that collaboration is easier and more effective when teams work together in the same place. So what Meeting Room is, is a service that allows people to work with each other using familiar Meeting Room facilities like whiteboards in a virtual environment from anywhere. So we've made this accessible from anywhere, we've made it secure, and we've made these places and these spaces uh, persistent. So when you write on the whiteboard and you return next week, it's still there just like in real life. And what we found is that it allows employees to feel a higher level of immersive engagement with what's happening in the actual meeting. So it keeps you focused in that time, in that moment, and lets you have more effective meetings, even though employees are spread all over the world. You mentioned something. <laughs> I thought it was funny because as you said it, you're like, oh yeah, you know, you put all your notes on the whiteboard and just like the real world, they're there when you come back. And I was thinking about it, I was like, no, that's exactly the opposite of the real world. <laughs> Somebody's erased all your notes. You're like, no, I didn't take a picture of it. Thank you for helping me explain it. So one of the things that actually happens a lot is that exact issue. And it's one of our own internal metrics. We're working with clients to get this through. It's right. How are you using your internal rooms existing today if you're working in-house or how do you work remotely as it is right now? And one of the biggest problems was the work you do in that time, that space on that Skype call, on that Zoom, whatever it might be, it disappears into that time. Unless someone's been taking fantastic notes, it doesn't come out. Uh, and it's something that we get onto later, but note-taking VR is lots of fun. So what we found that worked really well was being able to add simple things like working this into your workflow. So if you work on a whiteboard and meeting room, you can save out that whiteboard for work later. So you can copy and paste it into your Slack notes. You can copy and paste it into an email. Whatever your existing flow is that's there, or you want to add it to your Jira notes. All those little bits and pieces come together so that it's much easier to get context around a conversation, but also just letting people have good, proper conversations and remove that extra asynchronous conversation. So Slack is great, but you got to be disciplined. Yeah, I can imagine Slack gets crazy sometimes. You know, we've got a bunch of channels and all of a sudden you go away for a weekend and you come back and you have 50 new messages. What? <laughs> What's happening? And sometimes it's just a couple of people that have gone off on a conversation. So with 
meeting room, what are features that are being used the most? What is it that people are using it for with great results? Well, one thing, as you were saying it there, you broke up slightly, but I caught it. So this call is actually a good demonstration. One of the things we do from a technical point of view is we do things very basically. So we're a low-tech solution rather than a high-tech solution. I know the minute you hear VR, people think you need 5G. For us, though, we've taken a step back and said, how can we use today's technology really effective? And yes, we'll take on board more of that as it comes, but that means this works on 3G calls. A meeting room call uses 90% less bandwidth than something like Skype for Business. Um, We've done tests against this. We've actually just been published in spring earlier on this year. But in terms of what we focus on is having a good meeting experience. That's what people do in there. They've got a table, they've got a whiteboard, they've got a collaboration wall with sticky notes, and they've got a reference wall for sticking their agenda up and setting a timer. So they actually get through these meetings effectively. Our dream isn't to have you sitting in VR all day, it's to have effective, say if you're doing daily sync calls or scrums or whatever you call them in your industry, you're in there for 15 minutes a day and it's the most effective way of you passing that information together so that you're not having to live on a Friday afternoon in a Slack or an email thread. You're getting in, chatting it out, getting everyone on the same page and then getting back to work. There's so many tools out there that extend our workday and really help us collaborate. But at the same time, as you leave your office, the Slack notifications never end. And I think one of the things that VR does well is eliminate distractions. And I've said this before, when you're in VR, you can't be on your phone. You can't be doing other things. So you get somebody's 100% attention. Yeah. And even building on that, for us, it links in with our own Everyone has their driving values. And for us, uh, there's some simple things aside from the economical and the ecological points of view. We can save the world if we actually were a bit more effective at how we all met in person. And remember, air travel is only beginning. It's moving into the whole world having access to air travel. And that's going to grow exponentially over the next few years if we don't actually take on board. That being said, I'm not saying it's not you can't travel. Uh, it's much more a case if we need to do it more effectively, especially from a business point of view. But for Meaning Room, it's about enabling... Hold on, hold on. Go ahead. The reality is anybody who's traveled for business realizes that business travel is great when you're 20. <laughs> anymore you're going okay i don't really want to get an airplane fly for a full day get to a meeting for a two-hour meeting get on a plane and fly all the way back that's it travel for vacation when you're with your family on the beach or traveling around the world or something awesome travel to go to a three-hour meeting not so much business travel used to be a perk now it's a nuisance yes if you're under 30 you get paid to travel if you're over 30 you're paying to make sure the family get a bit of extra travel and there's some good metrics and it's a good understanding when you're talking to someone trying to say you're going to remove air travel from their life you might be talking to the wrong person who loves that perk and it still is a perk for them but in terms of for us the one driving point again a lot of the xr vr world is very much about you're going to live in here forever you're not. That will come at some point. But in turn, for some people, I personally, I love the real world and I would like to augment that more than take it away. But for us, you're always going to eat the meat. Sorry, that's the answer to your question. You're, we're not getting rid of physical meetings overall. That's not our drive. Our drive is to replace the physical office as the primary means of business collaboration over the next decade. And that is something that we feel is achievable, but it's also taken into account that you're always going to eat the meat. Deals are done in person, and that's going to get more brilliant in the digital sense over the next few years. But again, real world collaboration is there for an important reason. It's even from an education point of view, which isn't one of our primary markets. We do deal with a lot of educational institutions. And the point we see is, yeah, you're always going to have educational institutions. They'll change in how they distribute information. But one of the basic building blocks of humans is their social. So for me and our company, we're not trying to drive that you'll stop being social. We're trying to drive that you'll actually, you know, get to the more important things and find that balance. 
Yeah, I think really when it comes down to it, business travel deals are not really ever done in a boardroom. They're <laughs> they're done before. They're not really done in a boardroom. They're in a bar late at night at the end of a conference or over a nice dinner on the golf course. Or Deals are done when we are socially working together and we feel comfortable with the other people. That's one of the things that VR can't do and it never will do. But mm. being able to get the meat and potatoes of the meeting of the technical side and bring that together and say, okay, let's all work through this deal. Then, because the deal's probably already been negotiated from a very high level on the golf course or at a dinner or whatever. And it's like, okay, we're going to do business together. This is what it's going to look like. Now let's bring our teams together to figure out how this actually works. Yeah. And with that in mind, I suppose one of the things that we really focus on from the business side as well as with the product is allowing and enabling equal participation. So making sure everyone gets to participate, engage and facilitate. Everyone can unlock that productivity. So if people aren't great at doing video calls or if face to face, they're both learned skills. This can be an easier way to get everyone in and breaking down those cultural divides to say, right, different opinions drive sustainability sustainability of business and making sure that everyone has the ability to actually have an equal way of saying that that's what drives it i do think that yeah i would agree completely the deal is done before you get there but it's making sure that by the time you get there the deal is done <laughs> so things can fall apart if you leave it to see each other in person and for anyone listening i suppose from the c-suite who's worrying about their uh, group trips going away i think if anything it'll improve the return and investment from those trips in the future <laughs> it really will honest because a lot of times companies will spend money flying people to a meeting around the world and that really don't have to be there and that's something that i've noticed fly a, a technical person around to a sales meeting to present to the sales team and it's like okay that technical person presented for an hour and you've just spent x amount to fly them there to house them for the three days or four days of the meeting and really, they were only there for a one-hour meeting. You have no idea how many times I've been on the end of the call, especially the last few months as we've been releasing our more open version. We've just released our open beta, so I'm finally getting used to being able to say, our product's ready and it's out there. But in terms of saying, oh, no, we don't need to hop on a flight and get to you. Let's just get in the room. That's the best way of testing this out. I don't need to talk to you about product. Let's get in there and talk in there. And the results from that are, from a user testing point of view, <laughs> so much fun uh, in, in a short sentence. But in terms of uh, from a proof point, it's a great way of seeing are people ready for this or not. I think we've moved beyond the early, early innovators. I think we're into the fast follower stage where a lot of people are seeing all good work done. And remember, this isn't just work from the last three to five years, which I think people sometimes forget. There was so much activity in the 90s. There was so much activity in the 90s. And the tech has been around since the 60s, which we all know well and good. But in terms of picking up on use cases that were just maybe a little bit early and picking how we can go forward, our philosophy is every company has a meetings universe. And all we're trying to do is to take up a certain part of that. You're not trying to take over the whole lot. You're just trying to come in and say, we can fix this problem now for you really, really well. What are some of the use cases? I've talked to other collaboration platforms that are out there. There's the wild, there's spatial. They all have their different spin on it. What are the use cases that you guys feel that meeting room is uniquely positioned to take advantage of? I know one of the things you mentioned earlier was smaller groups. We haven't got our virtual pizza in there to do the test just yet, but uh, letting enough people who can share a pizza and going from that overall, which is keeping small groups and small sessions. So right now, 
up to 12 people can join a room from our standard offering. We can go a little bit higher when people request it. But right now, if you go up to the website, that's how many you can get in there uh, on the standard plan. And what we focus on is internal meetings. We're not trying to come in on the sales front and that people do hack our own system for doing different things. I, yeah, we'd love to use this for sales and customer calls. Yeah, sure. Use your room for whatever you want. Our business model is probably closer to something like WeWork or Regis in terms of the space you're going for. And it, when it comes down to what they're using it for, it's daily meetings, it's weekly scheduled meetings, it's regular meetings. And it's very much at that decision maker level. There's great tools out there for doing screen sharing. There's great tools out there for doing lectures. There's great tools for training specific things. And also on those bespoke training and the things. But for us, if you're just looking to come in and work through an agenda and set a timer to make sure you all get in out in time and pass that information, that's where we fit in. And also, I think the big thing is that we work on every platform. We work the same on your iOS device as you do in your Oculus Quest. Obviously, input's a little different in your heads in a VR headset. But for us, it's having the same ability across all the platforms. So having a table, having a whiteboard, having a collaboration wall with sticky notes and having that agenda and timer so that you can just get to work. Now, are companies able to change the look of the room or do you have different templates, different looks and feels? Can they brand the room so that it feels more to their corporate branding? Yeah, so we do a lot of that with, the, with our enterprise clients at the moment, and we are going to be bringing out some fun releases coming over the next few months to let more users do that. But for now, we usually our people brand their room is they set up their sticky board in the way that suits their business. They set up their whiteboard with the templates they want or with their own agenda items and that, and they use the PDF wall for bringing in presentations or whatever they're doing. That's where it starts off. I've seen a lot of logos that are about 10 foot tall in there. Quite fun. <laughs> all pixelated. And <laughs> what we really try to do, actually, I suppose, is it's very much like a co-working space. We're there to help people get through there as much as just use the software. So making sure that there's guidelines on how to get the best use as it is today. Because what we see an awful lot of is people acting like the world's changed already. And you and I both know from all of our conversations. And one of the funny ones, actually, is that I remember my old beta room, which I had to retire for this new release. And it's weird saying goodbye to the room you built your company in. But it comes down to bringing people through in a realistic way and saying, look, let's get you started in the right way. Let's map out the process to get to deployment. And again, a lot of the time it comes back to, oh, here's our tech. It's great. For us, we know that for the clients we work with, it's bringing it through and bringing this throughout the organization as opposed to just expecting it all to work out the gate. One of the other podcasts I recently did, we were talking about this is no longer a technology problem. It's an adoption problem. It's funny you say that. So everyone talks about the mom test. You can sell this, your mom that's great, but you got to sell it to clients. For us, we're looking at it as a case of going, it's the adoption test. It's will you bring this thing home for the next 18 months? Because that's the runway you're going in to make sure this thing, like any system, like look at how Slack and Microsoft Teams have been pushing there the last three or four years. It takes time for these things to get through. I use my old man as an example. He's brilliant with his iPad. I bought him an iPhone for the last 10 years for Christmas. And they're expensive bricks because Apple didn't train him how to use his iPhone. They trained him how to use the iPad. He's brilliant with his iPad. The same thing comes in with this kind of thing. Part of why we would have, not just because my old mama, because Apple did such a great job of training people how to use technology. iPads are useful in part of the day. For us, one of our first engagements is usually me maybe coming in from a quest and meeting a C-suite executive in a blue chip company on the device they use every day. So making sure that it's as simple and easy for anybody to get in, not just your engineers, not just your software developers. They're some of my favorite people to get in a room with because my user testing with that group versus with a C-suite audience is completely different. And what we make sure we just focus on is that is, well, saying keeping focused around making sure people can work more effectively. Back to our own values of participation and making sure everyone has the equal opportunity from any device. So explain to me the typical onboarding. A customer says, okay, I want to start using this. They want to start running their meetings. 
I want to run my weekly sales scrum meeting in meetingroom.io. What's my path to getting up and running? I'll call it uh, sign up to a ping pong meeting. A ping pong meeting is every company has their first meeting in any of these tools, whether it's Skype, Zoom, or meeting room. And you'll play around and you'll try and push the limits. That's a great first meeting to have, especially in a room like ours, because you've got a whiteboard to play with and you've got different things you can do, which are great fun. Getting started, you go to our website, you sign up just there on the front page. What will happen then is you get access straight away into the open beta. You can invite your team. That's the first thing I'll tell you to do. And then you enter into, I suppose, our onboarding process. Our process is talking with myself along the way to try and understand, and my team, obviously. I do my best to actually get in with every client who comes through at some point in the early part of the journey. And making sure that we fit a program around it. It's getting that first team meeting in there is key. It's absolutely key to make sure everyone is in there and has their first meeting as a group. Because obviously, we're a group conversation app. It's not for you one-on-one to go in and while the day away. It's for you to go in and have effective meetings. And what we've done with that is we've actually built up a number of little resources. I'll call them presents for now. But you get stuff like a how to copy and paste this in and get this going for your whole team from an agenda point of view. But you also get different items like an agenda that works really well with the room and how to set up your different parts of it along the way. That's for your coming in as one small team to try this out and see what's going on. And then we work to see how can we get into a wider part of the organization. In particular, I love talking with IT and risk departments because we built for that requirement. We're built for the enterprise. We're not a social app suddenly jumping into the enterprise space. We spent a bit longer getting our product together than others might have jumped into this because we wanted to make sure it hit all the compliance from your GDPR to your different bits and pieces around regulation and making sure that it's easy to get through your process because that's one of the biggest problems back to your adoption item. It's easy to want something. It's hard to make sure that it stays with you. This has come up on the podcast where you have adoption. You have buy-in from the C-suite and they're like, okay, we're going to execute on this. Walmart's a prime example. They rolled out 17,000 headsets without a way to update them. I'm sure they've figured it out now. I interviewed PwC's Jeremy Dalton and they did a presentation to 275 people in VR simultaneously. And I actually happened to be there because it was in Toronto. After the event, all the executives went out for coffee or whatever. And then there was a team of 15 people collecting all the VR headsets and then putting them in a room. And there was literally a pile five feet high of headsets. Just they piled them onto a pile and then one by one had to go through and put them in the right boxes. It was a substantial amount of work. And just the device management alone on rolling this out at scale, I think there's still some challenges around there. Well, that's it. I mean, like, look, we've had requests to roll this out to 300,000 people and we've said no, because there's a lot of parts of that. This is a bit earlier in our days. But this is the point where all this is becoming an awful lot simpler. And the suppliers are doing a great job of getting enterprise ready and pushing it out there from a device management point of view, from getting failure-proof devices and the likes of any of the standalone devices are getting very, when I say point of failure, I come from a hardware background as well, um, which I don't talk about as much as I should, where if it was still connected to a PC, it was a great prototype. And there's some awesome stuff happening, say, in the automotive space, but as soon as that goes into stuff like the Quest and the Focus being able to handle it at scale, people will move to that. We've seen huge jumps around that already. And it has to be, how easy can you get this out there? And can you actually get us through a program of work, getting this installed in our organization, not just in one team? And that's something we pride ourselves on doing. From an adoption standpoint in a company, having a Vive or a Rift, and then having a computer system, however small, you can get them pretty small now, but being able to set that up, install Steam or install the Oculus Store, and then every time you go to use it, there's an update to attend. If it takes as long a sentence for either of us to get people going on a PC VR, it's got to be a bloody good use case and really valuable. 
I'm at least 90 plus days using a quest every day and using it for both work and play. And as you well know, I'm a fanboy of PC VR because I'm a gamer. But in terms of everyday life, uh, yeah, I, I use my quest every day because it's easy to get in and out of. And it has all the things that I wanted to do, including meeting room, so that it fulfills my need. And that's what you're trying to do with a device, provide a more convenient solution to what's already there, as opposed to trying to force it in. Agreed. So this meeting room works on Quest now? Yeah, so we're having lots of fun. We've announced that we'll be releasing later in the fall with the enterprise end of things. It's a dream, <laughs> to put it shortly. And people can get started right away with our beta version. They just need to, again, we've got a form on the website where you sign up and come and get started there. And I suppose the last important point, which is kind of an exciting time, one of the big differences with us is we also have a web application, not WebXR, but an actual web application to manage how you do everything. So right now, it's really basic for our beta. You can do invite teams. You can upload your documents that you need in there. But what we're doing right now is engaging our community in a big way, um, building out our next iteration of the dashboard. So really looking forward to over the next two, three months having that. So essentially anyone who gets in touch now can have a big impact on that because again, that's customer led as opposed to we had to build our first room and get the infrastructure together. Now we're making it easier for people to manage all these meetings. I know personally I'm in a lot of rooms. So firsthand I get to see what happens when suddenly, oh, I'm in 30 or 40 different rooms on this account. Right. <laughs> Same way you were talking about the poor person in Walmart who had to maybe individually update 17,000 different headsets, which as I say, it gives me coils. But again, for us, it's making sure all that is nice and simple. It's making sure that it's wrapped together in more. So again, say we treat enterprise clients a certain way. We have startups who are going to our own journey, which is building a business in the cloud. Forget your garages, your hackathons. I've built businesses in both and they're great fun. But for me, any business going forward, I get to actually build in the cloud. <laughs> Obviously, building a meeting room is great fun. But for us, what we didn't have at the beginning was the tool we have today. So we had a lot of gaps. We had to kind of realize going, oh, we haven't built that thing on the whiteboard yet. Oh, that's really difficult to do. That's been ironed out. As I was saying earlier on, we had to retire our original room because we've just brought in the designers to upgrade the room. It was very odd saying goodbye to it, <laughs> at least on a daily basis. It's like, oh, I'm in the wrong room. Yeah, hidden Easter egg. Yeah. Oh, at some point there'll be a retrofit, I'm sure. I want it back. I liked it. <laughs> but again, this is our first room of many. Um, so for us, we're really core focused. And we do have a lot of different custom builds. Like we have people making digital twins of existing services um, and doing a lot of really interesting stuff. So again, we built a platform. The first part of that is our meeting room and letting people actually get in and plan every day. But as you know, everyone is trying to get their heads around what they're going to do next in VR and what can they do in XR to either be the first in something, not just for gimmick's sake, but actually, hey, we can make a fundamental change to our business. We can make ourselves more sustainable over the next 20 years. Forget the next two or three. It's actually making sure that we can do stuff today and we can amplify that over time. And 2019 is going to be... It, everyone wants to call 2019 is the big year. Every year is the big year for VR and XR. And that's fine and dandy. For me, I see this as the first year of true deployments into everyday use cases beyond the very bespoke things we're talking about where every kid's going to want Beat Saber for Christmas. That's fine. But at the same time, from a C-suite point of view, it's now at that point where it actually makes sense. You're not having to lug around a PC and connect up 3Ks worth of gear along with all those different updates that come along. Now it's simple plug and play. Absolutely. It's easy to deploy. I think the Quest was a game changer, the focus again, being able to come in at a, a 10x cheaper device with no computer, no wires, no nothing, being able to put it on. Because look, everything that I've seen is like, yeah, we can stand up and we can wave our hands around and we can do all these things. The real practical use cases where people are going to really dig into using VR on a daily basis, 
they're going to be sitting at their desk. They're not going to be standing up, waving their hands around like idiots. They're going to be sitting at the desk, going into a meeting. Maybe they're on a beach. Maybe they want to see their giant screens in front of them, whatever it is. But it's going to be them sitting down doing what they typically do. Because how many times are you in a meeting where you're all standing up? Yeah, it's funny. Like even we sometimes do find ourselves standing up more because we're using these things. But for me, what that actually means in real life, and this is also linked with using stuff like rec room and other bits and pieces every other day. But I've dropped like 30 kilos since I began the business. Now, I was too big to be with. I'm still too big now. But to not actually trying, I've been able to be a little bit healthier. That is not a direct reason just because of VR, but it gets you thinking about how you approach your day, about how you do everything. But I suppose in terms of the future of XR, VR, as it pertains to the business end of things, I do think it's the future of business and social. I do think that it's going to change how we do everything over the next 10 years, not just driven by climate change, not just driven by cost controls, but by preference. Like we did a paper, our first week in business, we went out and tried to kill the business. We did a, uh, we got a client to pay us to compare Skype for business versus VR. Really, really simple. We said we go in video communications versus VR. This is the question we are going to get asked and we always get asked and we will always get asked about it. And it came down to some really simple bits and pieces like engagement, like excitement, and again, focused, linked in with those lovely bits and pieces. And remember, this was also our, I think, prototype day zero. And we're always in day zero, but this was the proper first version. In a study of 100 people, which got published in spring early on this year, we beat out Sky for Business. It was actually one of the suppliers who pointed out to us, guys, that's bloody amazing. You put 20 quid into this product in comparison to, say, 20 billion into Skype, which is now, from a business point of view, molding back into Teams. So it was very interesting, even on that first Pepsi-Cola test, to see it coming through. And what I'm most excited about within that is it pulling us out of that wild west. Like we've had digital twins since my first Facebook or Bebo account. That was my first digital twin. And I know metaverse is close to your own heart. And we've had a metaverse since the internet turned on. And what we're doing right now is visualizing and virtualizing all that, which is awesome. But we know how that can go if we go too much into living in there. I think South Park covered it. <laughs> but but in terms of actually getting us there right now, it's about balance and keeping everyone nice and on the same page. And that's what my hope is for the future of all this. When you talked about web apps and being able to upload documents, what are some of the documents that you can upload natively? Can I grab my Teams stuff or can I grab PDFs or can I grab PowerPoint or Google Slides? Because this is open beta and we know we're actually rebuilding all of this currently, we decided to start with something really basic and go with PDFs because that what we found with users in over 50 countries was the obvious most common document that's been used for these kind of meetings. Um, what we said was we're going to bring in our different sources over the next few months because, again, when it comes to enterprise, you don't have to be able to have to sign up to get all of our stuff through the risk and requirements. They've already done that with a lot of their services. We've built the infrastructure. So imagine you were coming to me and I worked in Regus. And you wanted to build the perfect room in physical life that no one ever removed your sticky notes from the wall. That issue that we actually have a few clients who that answers the issue for them. It's kind of funny. And they can leave it there for all time if they want. The point is that you can come in and you can get to work right away with it. You can import PDFs. What else? So right now you can import PDFs and we have a number of custom bills running stuff like bringing in 360 site imaging. We have stuff like bringing in different 3D models, but our focus is always on doing it in a low bandwidth way. So we very much work with clients who might have places working from one distant part of the world down to a central European office. And you've got to make it nice and simple for everyone to be able to partake in that conversation the same way. So bringing in a 360 site means they can make impact from abroad. But for now, what you can do from the basic, if you signed up on the website, 
website today, you can bring in PDFs. If you want to go beyond that, just drop us a line and we'll get in the room and we'll go through with you. But that's going to be a big part of the next step. We've got a big release in about three months time and that's going to be, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, because I can see people, once they get the ability to import PDFs and get that, they're going to go, okay, well, I want to import PowerPoint slides because people love their PowerPoint. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Not going anywhere. And being able to, like you said, import a 360 image. So saying, okay, here I'm in the middle of my PowerPoint, my next slide, I click it. And then all of a sudden I'm no longer in a meeting room. I'm in a 360 image because let's be honest, 360 photography is not being leveraged nearly as much as it could be in all sorts of different ways. A 360 photo gives you so much information about a space. If you're talking about manufacturing, you could literally have somebody in the manufacturing stick a 360 camera on a stand, take a picture. The photos are not very large anymore. You can upload that right in there. Everybody across the organization can stand where that camera was, look around and say, okay, you see how this information is coming off of this machine or whatever you can discuss that in a realistic environment. It transports them. And the key part of that is making sure that you can bring it out of there afterwards so it's not all just lost in that one moment. I'll put it this way. I love writing in 3D for me because I can go to the angle I know I need to be at to see what's going on there. But when it comes down to it, we found sticky notes actually work an awful lot better and our sticky notes are actually 2D first. So you type in stuff at the moment. We are adding in VR support for that in a while. But because so many users come in from different platforms, we made this for our users first. Our users are teams in blue chips, SME, startups. We have a lovely wide berth of people with very specific use cases. But in terms of actually getting it in there, it's got to be something you can bring out into the real world because otherwise it gets lost in workflows. And if it can't fit into your audit trail, it's not going to happen in the enterprise. You mentioned audit trail. So I want to unlock a couple of things here. What are some of the data metrics analytics that you are capturing or able to capture from this that would be able to be used maybe for training or for, for whatever? Yeah, so we go with privacy first. These are encrypted rooms. We do basic things with like collecting obvious usage data to make sure it's better, both tracking all that kind of thing. We're doing our best to leave that with the user. So we do also some on-premise deployments in that. So obviously we work with companies where security matters and we make sure we're GDPR compliant. We make sure that we hit with the regulatory requirements for each industry we go in with. Um, and we very much go through that nearly at the beginning of the project because that's a key thing for people to have understand. As we said, the whole industry has come forward leaps and bounds, but say two years ago, you couldn't do a lot of the things you needed to do because the enterprise deployment wasn't there. And for us, it's very much a hand-holding experience to get people through that and to make sure that you're not getting a, a senior management team bought in to have the risk or IT team come back and say, oh, guys, that's not feasible we make sure that we lead out in that. So they're encrypted rooms first and foremost, because again, this is business conversation. It's not even like your social apps or you're living on Facebook or you're living on one of these different things where it's expected that these things are part of doing business. But when it comes to, I'm paying for a secure space to come in, to have a private conversation. We might be a boardroom of a Fortune 500 company. That's information they don't want going outside of the room in the same way as they do in real life. So we follow the premise of do it how you do it in real life and keep it secure. Now, is there any metrics that, let's say, for example, the executive team would have access to? Maybe it's simple as... Oh, of course. Sorry, from an internal, I'm talking about from the external apologies. From the internal point of view, what we're doing is building up so there's a very good reporting system. And um, again, that's part of what I'm going to be excited about in, in the next while. But making sure that you can see simple things as Alan and Johnny are working on this project for three months. Alan and Johnny talked for the first two months and then they stopped talking. 
We don't know exactly what they're talking about word for word, but we know that they stopped talking and suddenly the project went off rails. That's the kind of performance and impact I want people to get from this kind of software over time and make sure that people can actually take action. Originally, I would have studied around behavioral economics. I was history and politics a dropout. Uh, originally went over to Harvard for summer school and fell in love uh, with arguing about behavioral economics. And one of the biggest things that happened over uh, throughout my MBA, I used to be terrible uh, in terms of giving out about this is all qualitative versus quantitative data. If you're talking about biases and heuristics, and obviously those are huge talking points in today's age. And what has frustrated me over time is a lot of this is still qualitative. You might have a thousand people looking at one meeting happening and figuring out all the different movements, but it's not data-led. So trying to build a better understanding of how meetings work and how they can be more effective. In a future meeting room, I might get notifications saying, all right, finish the meeting early. Why? Because everyone's head's tipping. They're tired. It's Friday and it's 10 to 5. Give everyone 10 minutes of freedom. <laughs> They're the parts that I want to hear back from people over time. But as it starts right now, I'm already getting lovely things like, you got rid of my Friday afternoon email thread. Thank you. <laughs> small little things like that are the parts that I know it sounds geeky, but that's what gets me excited. That seems so small, but it is a really big win. I'll definitely link you on as well. There was a great piece in the New Yorker recently about asynchronous versus synchronous conversations. And I live in Ireland. We live a place where we ought to do 2% or 6% GDP. We don't do a nice and even 4%. It's out on the night out or hungover. Uh, but in terms of how people want to approach things, it's nice and consistent. Um, that's what's going to come from this. Stop going for all asynchronous and all synchronous. It's a good, healthy mesh. And this lets you, as we were saying at the beginning, it lets you do all those technical things in between. And what VR as a whole, I mean, every experience I hear about is we can do what we can't do in real life together. And there's so many things that come from us. But for us, it's about staying focused, giving that solution to let you have what you need in real life and doing it there today. Really, really simple stuff, but it's making sure you can do it with advice that exists today rather than what exists tomorrow. So uh, I want to just reiterate that this is still early days in this technology. But we're rounding that corner where the devices are easy to use. The platforms are now up and ready. We've got meetingroom.io that you can just sign up. You can have it multi-device. And I think this is the key. You guys have realized this as well, that some people are going to enter from an iPad. Some people are going to enter from web. Some people are going to put on a VR headset. Some people in the future will put on an AR headset. Being able to have that consistency of quality of meeting regardless of the device is essential. And I think you guys are, are really on your way to do that. What are some of the best business use cases of this technology that you've seen that people are, are using it for? What parts of a company are using this most now? That's a good way of putting it, actually. I'll address the last point because I think that's the one that you can really answer at the moment. It's gone beyond the test case. There's not one thing in particular that's driving this forward. It's everything that's coming together. It's communities like what you're doing and um, coming together and actually pushing the agenda both online but also getting into companies and talking this through and it's the ecosystem i'm seeing building is driving it forward on the enterprise end i'm seeing a lot more interest in our specific area not just meeting room but people are coming in and saying look we're going beyond tire kicking we're looking for an active solution to implement as opposed to what I would have seen for the first uh, time or company, which we fully expected as we were still connected to the PCs, where it hit for automotive really well. And now I think other things like that, industry-led things, the same stuff that kept the VR dream alive for the last two decades, same with energy. But again, back to where I'm seeing current trends, 
everyone needs to plan out what they're doing next. And it generally starts with a whiteboard. So our system is well suited, obviously, but that's where I see people trying to get in, trying to understand how can I use this for training beyond a bespoke service? Obviously, when in our world, a PDF is a PowerPoint and it works very well right now. You don't need to do any bespoke work. You can do your first trial with all the resources you have today. And that's the number one tool which I see coming through. People realizing we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We already have a training process. We already have a way that we do regular meetings. So again, where I throw my hands up to go, we're a really great fit for that. But it's not a case of, and we always try and divert both ourselves and clients away from it. Don't try and make something brand new. Don't try and reinvent the wheel. No one wants to be first, but sometimes you've got to be in the first few. And it's just a case of putting something small and manageable together and getting some good internal case studies going together. And again, we've got a team based in academia where we transfer that into industry with saying, let's get some proof points around this. And they're the trends that are driving this most forward. People want real use cases. They don't want flashy gimmicks. I couldn't agree more. And as makers in the space, no one wants to work with gimmicks. It can kill your company. And any of the startups who are working in the space or getting into the space, take advantage of what was different when we started off. The ecosystem, even from a development point of view, is totally different. But you've got to build your moat up. What is different about you? If you said your name out loud, what is different about you versus other people? So if you replaced your own name with a competitor name, is it understandable that you make different things? Because there's a lot of people building Word out there. There's a lot of people building Notepad. There's a lot of people building Excel. Knowing what you want to be when you grow up is a good way to start. (laughs) (laughs) So with that, I'm going to ask you my final question. What problem in the world do you want to see solved with XR Technologies? (laughs) Okay, I'm biased. But transport and mobility, as I said earlier on, not that we're going to replace everything. It's just so we can use our resources in such a more effective way. And I think that genuinely, this is why I worked in blockchain before it was free money and the internet. I worked in when it was technology and people were using to use that technology, uh, whatever it's turned into now at the moment. And you don't want to be looking for a solution. You want to actually have something that fits that problem. And that's what I feel XR does right now for mobility. I think the 5G is a fantastic use case to show where this all can go. I know yourself and Julie do some awesome work with showing here's how not to do a 5G experience, which I think is a great one. But in terms of showing what is here today and showing what can be, we have that here on our tippy tongues. We've already started that with what we see in the current trends around remote work. Everyone, once you go beyond one office building, is working remotely to a certain point. And linking that in with knowing what infrastructure we have now, the movements over in the US and all over Europe around reclaiming rural to a certain point. And again, I live in Ireland, so homelessness and uh, house prices are always on the tip of our tongues, unfortunately. And it's something that we have a great international community coming into Ireland and we have a better way of doing things to actually push us forward. And I think, again, XR, VR, all these things actually help alleviate these issues where cities are a technology as well. And right now, we're building 20 New Yorks a year. That's fine. But it's hard to replicate London. It's hard to replicate all these things working. And I think that what we can do is reclaim our rural with a lot of this, with a lot of what XR is going to do. It's not something everyone in XR would talk about so much. But in my world, where collaboration is king, I live in a country where everyone already wants to work in Ireland. And it's fantastic. We have some of the best countries in the world here coming in, thanks to the likes of EI and DIDA. Uh, that's Enterprise Ireland and the IDA. And it's just a really simple case of going, people want to work here. And we want to make sure it's really easy for them to live here as well. 
And that's where these things unlock, not just for Ireland, but for every location. Canada, by the way, cross province has become part of my vernacular because we work with so many people in Canada now. And I think it's awesome seeing how cultures align so well. <laughs> you know, again, short answer, mobility gets changed by this. It gets flipped on its head. We're seeing that with drones. We're seeing that with air travel. We're seeing all these things happening across the board uh, in terms of how people are moving differently and how people are taking the boat instead of taking a plane. I think that's awesome to hear that we're looking at how we can actually not just push one type of technology, but the whole mix. And I do think that XR is a catalyst to help us rethink sitting in an airplane. Will I be in my quest, not just for a photo on Twitter, but actually handling one or two of my meetings that way because it's better use of my time? Or is it just somewhere I'm collecting my notes in a whiteboard for when I see the client the next time I see them? All these things come together that, again, mobility is about to change. I think it's an exciting time to be part of something so interesting. Wonderful. Well, Johnny, I, I want to say thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your, your passion. You're clearly passionate about this. You've been working diligently at this with your team for the last few years, and I wish you all the, the best success uh, with Meeting Room. For those listening who want to visit Meeting Room, it's meetingroom.io. You can download a free trial. You can start working on it right away, and I would encourage everybody to uh, start meeting a new way, using these technologies as a real tool to help you in your company bring people together. Johnny, thank you so much for joining me on the show. No, thank you so much. And I suppose the very last thing I'd say, just even in terms of, I talk quickly when I'm on a call like this. So apologies for any international listeners. I definitely spoke a little quicker than I meant to there. But when you're in a room like one of these, you can see body language. You can see all those things you don't see on a video call. And it means that you can have a more effective conversation overall. And again, the work that you guys are doing with the XR community in general is only driving that forward. So thanks very much for the work you're doing. I may as well insert a little plug for XR Ignite there. Oh God, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Put this way, the XR Ignite companies, I want to see you guys uh, helping build those companies in there so they can get attached to their own rooms and their HQs in the future. <laughs> but that's for another day. <laughs> well, I think that's wonderful. And thank you again for joining me, Johnny. Talk soon. No, you're done. Thanks very much. Being an influencer on LinkedIn in the XR field uh, really has opened up an opportunity for us to not only understand what corporations are looking for in virtual augmented mixed reality and artificial intelligence, but also from the aspect of the startup studios, developers, and enthusiasts out there and what they need. So what we decided to do after getting hundreds and hundreds of messages is to open up XR Ignite to the entire XR community of startups, studios, individuals, passionate people, and really to build a new community that brings together everybody who's passionate about this technology for a low cost and allow them to contribute, to learn, and to get better across the whole industry. That is really the reason why we started XR Ignite, to hyper-accelerate the XR for business industry, business and education. And one of the things that we just keep noticing is that there's so many resources out there. There's the VRAR Association, which we're partners with. There are you know, reports coming out daily, but there's no one source where people can come together and start just having conversations around how to get better in this industry. And that's why we started XR Ignite. I would encourage anybody who's listening to this podcast, if you're in the corporate side, if you're a startup, if you're an individual, if you're an enthusiast, sign up today at xrignite.com and you'll be getting access to new reports, investor lists, media lists, exclusive content, 
interviews with our mentors. We have over 56 mentors. And if you're a startup and you pay an annual fee, you'll actually have the opportunity to book a one-on-one, -on -one, one hour call with one of the mentors. What we're doing with that is we're actually recording those sessions. We're transcribing them, taking out any personal information, and we're making those transcripts available to all members. So I think XR Ignite is gonna drive a lot of value for anybody in this industry who's looking to up their game and also for corporates who want a real insight as to what technology is coming out. So I would encourage everybody to sign up at xrignite.com and I really look forward to driving value, executing on our mission to hyper accelerate XR for business and education.